You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Good morning, East Point Church. How are you guys? It is so good to gather with you every week. This is called worship. Right? Like not just the music, but every part of what we're doing, the way that we sing, the way that we serve, the way that we open up our Bibles, the way that we live every moment of our lives is an act of worship and devotion to God. And so we get to worship as a family this morning. And so thank you for being here. Uh, go ahead and open up your Bibles, please, to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 21. And the title of my message today is Rest Assured. Rest assured. How many of you guys use this phrase, rest assured? Anybody? All right, a few of you. Anybody, you've heard this phrase? Okay. Um, So I was this many days old when I found out I was saying it wrong. How many of you say, be rest assured? Only me? All right. You're like, you're the preacher. Get it right, man. I'm like, be rest assured. It's wrong. It's grammatically incorrect. Just rest assured, right? When someone is saying rest assured, they mean the outcome is not in doubt. Rest assured. It's a guarantee. This thing is on lock. You can take it to the bank. Rest assured. You can go to sleep restfully with full of assurance knowing that everything is going to be okay. Rest assured. See, I studied this this week, so I know all about this phrase. And so here's what's funny, though, right? When people say rest assured, when people are trying to give you that level of confidence and assurance, most most often than not, they are only saying it when the need is in doubt, right? They're only saying it when your uh, perception of the outcome is in jeopardy. Rest assured, because you probably are doubting the outcome. They know that you have reason to doubt the validity. You have reason to be restless regarding the outcome. And so sometimes we hear, hey, 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 rest assured. And you're like, well, color me skeptical. We'll see, right? Mom, it's going to be fine. Rest assured. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to be there on time. I promise. Rest assured. Guaranteeing the outcome. See, friends, this morning we're going to end our series. And Jesus has been teaching us about this movement. He's been teaching us about this kingdom that is growing, this kingdom that he has initiated. He is the king. And he's calling people to enter into the kingdom. And there is something that we need to know about this kingdom. There is something that you need to know this morning And he's going to tell you because the outcome sometimes might even seem to be in doubt. Sometimes this truth, this principle seems to be unlikely, sometimes even outright wrong. And Jesus comes to us this morning and goes, no, 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 rest assured. Trust me what I say about this movement. And as you understand this principle... As you understand this conviction, as you take this truth to the bank, it will change your lives. It will impact your marriage. It will affect the way you parent your children. It will affect the way, not only that you respond to the movement, but the way that you even go out into the world and perpetuate the movement. 
And so there's something you need to know this morning, friends, so that you can rest assured. And we begin in verse 21. Let's see what Jesus says. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. So here we go. This is God's word for East Point Church. And so last week we saw that Jesus, he kind of has this little style, right? Jesus has a unique style. As he teaches, he often employs parables. Simple little sketches, simple little stories and illustrations that highlight truth. Big principles and small pictures and stories. And so this week we see three such word pictures. A simile and a couple of parables, if you will. These word pictures, he starts talking about a lamp. Picture number one, a lamp. And as he talks about the lamp, his first point is clear. He's telling the crowd, pursue the truth and you will find it. Pursue the truth and you will find it because the truth is meant to be found. And so he starts off with this picture. He goes, think about it. Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket? Do I have any interior designers in here? How many of you like decorating a home? Right? Okay, all two of you. I see you. I am not an interior designer. I'm not good at the house thing. My wife, she makes it beautiful. Right? She just, she just does it. And so I know that I'm not an interior designer unless I go to Ikea. When your boy's walking through Ikea, I'm just filled with, I'm like, I could do this, right? Because it looks so easy, and it looks so simple, and you're just walking through, and I'm like, oh, this is great. And then you buy it, and you bring it home, and you go, this looks nothing like the room that they had there. So I'm not an interior designer. However, I know enough to know that the answer is no, <laughs> right? I know enough to know that when you purchase a lamp, when you bring a light into a room, you don't put it in a place that will conceal the light. A lamp has a singular purpose to give light. A lamp has a singular purpose to bring things that were previously in the dark 
into the light. The lamp is meant to reveal, not hide. And in the same way, Jesus is saying, the lamp of God has come into the world. Not to hide things, but to reveal them. Jesus is saying, I have come into the world not to conceal truth, but to reveal it. Jesus wants people to get it. The truth is meant to be found. See, this is important because there were people in the crowd that as they listened to Jesus, and maybe there are people even in this crowd, as you listen to Jesus, you're saying, you know what, is Je- does Jesus even want to be understood? Because every time I read my Bible or every time I listen to Jesus, it feels like the truth is hidden. Like I'm listening to these parables and it sounds like this is meant to be a secret. Does he even want to be understood? And so Jesus is using the picture of the lamp because he's explaining his own paradox. He's not using parables to conceal the truth. He's using parables to reveal the truth. It's quite the opposite. Just like a puzzle that begs to be solved. Just like a riddle that demands we stretch our minds and apply ourselves to understand it. Jesus' word pictures are inviting people to lean in. The parables, they're not concealing truth. Quite the opposite. They're leading to insight and understanding because they're inviting people to lean in and apply themselves and think hard. The parables are meant to be understood, to consider these things in pursuit of the truth. And as people pursue the truth, friends, he says, the truth will come to light. The truth will come to light. My friend, this is an invitation for you. This is an invitation for me to pursue the truth. He says, if you have ears to hear, let them hear. If you have ears to hear this and get where I'm coming from, get it. We learned last week that not everybody who has ears can hear. Not everybody who has eyes can see what Jesus is talking about. Not because there's something wrong with their eyes and ears, but because there's something wrong with their hearts. They don't see the truth because they don't want to see the truth. They're not following and tracking with the truth because they're indifferent toward the truth. And so Jesus is giving you an invitation. Do you have ears to hear? Do you have a heart that is hungry for truth? Do you genuinely want to know what ultimate reality is? Then hear what I'm saying. Then lean in here. Chew on these things. Think about the parables. And as you explore it, you will get it. You will get it. Do you know why? Because in the kingdom of God, you get what you ask for. Look what he says. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Have you ever heard of the expression, it goes like this, the poor get poorer and the rich get richer. So you haven't heard of it, it's okay. And so let me explain, right? It's this expression that means, we're we're working today, guys, all right? It's this expression that means those who have no money even the little bit that they do have will eventually disappear because they're spending it just to try to stay alive. The poor get poorer. But the rich, those who have money and wealth and means, even their money is making money, and so the rich get richer, right? That's what he's saying. It's the same exact way in the kingdom of God, but not with money, with understanding, okay? 
the measure of understanding that you have and use in pursuit of the truth will determine the amount of understanding you are given. Those who lean in, those who are using their understanding to pay attention, those who are applying their minds will be given that much more understanding. And then some, still more, will be given to them. This is exactly what we saw last week, right? The crowd is all there. They're listening to Jesus. He gives them some parables, and they're like, ah, this is weird, and they take off. The crowd dissipates, but the disciples are hungry, and they go, wait, 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 Jesus, hey, and they follow him, right? And they're like, hey, I know you're having lunch, but I'm coming to your house right now, and they're sitting there talking like, but what does it mean? And help us understand, and they reveal a heart that is hungry for truth, and they want to understand it, and so they have come, and they have pursued truth, and what happens? Jesus explains, with the measure you use, that much more will be given to you. But those on the outside, those who attend these public gatherings with no interest in the truth, no hunger for what Jesus is saying, they will be sent away with no truth. Those who don't apply their understanding in pursuit of the truth will receive no further understanding. Those who don't even have it will have less because what they do know will be lost. The little bit of knowledge that they do have, the little bit of understanding that they do have will be lost due to their hardness of hearts and indifferent posture. He says, and then some, even what they have will be taken away. Because all of the facts that they have and all of the Bible knowledge and all of the truth and all of the things that these scribes have studied they fail to realize that it all points to Jesus. And so even the little bit of understanding they had is now useless as they ignore and reject the one to whom those things pointed. Pursue the truth and you will find it. And so what's the call to action for us, friends? Jesus says it very clear. Like a good teacher, pay attention. (laughs) Pay attention to what you hear. Apply yourself. Lean in. Don't walk away with indifference. Don't don't walk away easily thwarted by the puzzling nature of these parables. Don't give yourself an easy out to go, well, I don't really get that anyway. Who can get it? He says, no, lean in. Lean in. Jesus is saying to you, I have come to reveal a truth that will change your life and transform the world. Are you hungry for it? Do you want to know the truth? Are you coming to go through the motions? Are you attending a church gathering to check a box? Or is there something in your soul that says, I want to know. Friends, pursue the truth and you will find it. Pursue it and you will find it. And so he gives us this invitation. He gives us this call to pay attention. And so now that he has our ears... Now that he has, are you guys leaning forward? Let me see the posture. Boom, there it is, right? Now that we're leaning forward saying, all right, Jesus, I'm tracking with you. Teach me something. He goes, okay, two parables. Oh, two? Yeah, two parables. But lean in here. Think about it. Pay attention to these parables because the singular principle that emerges from these parables is going to change your life. So you ready? Two parables. Here we go. Parable number one in verse 26 And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. 
He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. He gives us another seed parable because he wants us to know that the kingdom is growing even when we don't get it. The kingdom is growing even when we don't get it. And so here's our king. And he's telling people, hey, I'm I'm inaugurating a kingdom. There is a rule of my reign, right? There's a a realm of my rule and reign. And he's telling them this, and they go, where's your kingdom? I don't see it. Like all these other guys who who, uh, claimed to have a kingdom, they had at least like an army. They had some like soldiers. You got like 12 fishermen dudes. So you're going to have to help us connect the dots here. What, What do you mean you have a kingdom? I can't see it. And he goes, no, no, you can't see it. The kingdom of God is within you. But let me give you some metaphors. Let me give you some parables. My kingdom, it's kind of like, um, like a man who's scattering seed on the ground. And I would just love to see all of the offended people that are pretentious going, Ugh, you claim to be from God and you're going to compare your kingdom to seed on the ground? Guys, this is not epic. This is not majestic and royal. My kingdom is like a thousand chariots of angels coming and invading your realm. He's like, no, it's kind of like a seed on the ground. (laughs) Jesus is so earthy. I love it. If we take ourselves too seriously, we need to hang out with Jesus, right? He goes, no, it's kind of like a man who is spreading his seed on the ground. And it's just really simple. He's just throwing it out there. And we look at this and we go, what? What what is that going to do? How are you going to change the world just sprouting seed on the ground? He goes, no, the man, he's out there. He's just scattering it. He goes to bed. Has a good night's sleep. He's tired. Got a little bit of that planter elbow. You guys know what I'm talking about. Wakes up the next day and he goes, whoa, boom, it worked. Huh. Look at that. I threw some seed on the ground and now that seed has sprouted. The seed has, has grown. Such a simple, unassuming act has set into motion a chain reaction of life. He says, first the blade, and then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear, and the ear on the corn, and the corn on the stalk, and the stalk on the ground, and the full thing. It worked. All because he simply just threw some seed. And as he looks at this seed sprouting, as he looks at this chain reaction of growth, he concludes, huh, it's working. Friends, it's working. It's working. And notice what Jesus highlights about our farmer. Notice what Jesus draws our attention to as this man is setting into motion this this chain reaction. It says, he knows not how. You're like, yep, that's me, right, about everything in life. He knows not how. He's planting seed, things are growing, and he says, I don't even know how it fully works. This, this sprouting and this growing thing, it's kind of a mystery to me, honestly. I mean, I was sleeping. I didn't cause it. I'm not the cause, and yet I, I, I can't see exactly what's happening in the ground. I, I can't really understand what's happening under the surface of the soil, I just know that it works. I just know that it works. I don't have a scientific background of 
horticulturalism and agriculturalism and, and earth, but it works. It works. And Jesus says, in the same way, just like our sower dude, in the same way, the kingdom of God is like that. In the same way, we're out here and we just, we're just scattering the seeds of the gospel. We're just communicating and sharing the simple movement message about God. We're just out here. It's so simple. It's, it's so unassuming. We're just telling people that God has sent his son on a rescue mission for you. And that all who turn to him, he saves us and brings us back into his family. And that he actually invites us in to be his children. And he loves us and he gives us grace. That's it. The simple seed of this message. We share it. Friends, we share it and then we go to sleep. And then we wake up and it's like, boom! It worked. People, people are like, hey, I believe. Faith is sprouting up all over out of the soil of people's hearts. And just like the farmer man, we look at this resulting faith and we say, hey, we know not how. I can't see everything that's happening under the soil of your hearts. We can't see everything that's happening in the inner workings of your soul. We can't see exactly what God is doing within the earth of your being, and yet it works. Every month, we get to hang out with people here at East Point who are either like new to the faith or exploring their faith, right? Which is awesome, right? Like, that's what a church should be. There should regularly be people that, people that say, hey, I didn't really grow up in this. I don't, I've never felt like I really belong in a church. But like, hey, I'm just, I'm just exploring. And I say to you, if you pursue truth, you will find it. So I'm glad that you're here. But every month, we, we talk to people who are newer to this thing, and they're, and they're exploring. And that's okay. That's perfect. And at some point, they say, yeah, I'm new to this. I didn't grow up. But like, I believe. And I'm like, really? And I, I just, I'm so curious. I love to ask people their story. I love to go to coffee and say, tell me more. Like, what exactly happened? And inevitably, I always hear a story that goes like this. Well, I kind of grew up in church, but I didn't really understand it. So I just did it. But once I was an adult, I moved away. But now I have kids, so I kind of want to bring them back. And, and, but it wasn't really for me. But when you were talking on Sunday, you said, and I felt or help from other people. Hey, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of new to this thing, but I was in a connect group, and my leader, she said this thing, and somebody asked a question, and when she gave the answer, it was like, boom. And I'm always dumbstruck. And I always sit there and I go, wait, 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 come on, come on. You mean to tell me that I used words from my voice box projected into the air and somehow, between the time that it was here and in your heart, faith exploded. And if you're here this morning, oh, yep, that sounds about right. You don't get it. That's a miracle. What in the world? You mean your leader, she, she said the simple message hey, that, hey, God loved you so much that he came on a rescue mission to bring you into the family. And when you respond to him, he, bring, he calls you his children. And people believe. And faith sprouts up. Friends, this is wild. This is a mystery how it works. But here's what we know. It works. The kingdom is growing even when we don't get it.
And here's what we need to understand. Not only is it working, this is the only way that works. Like the guy out there is not like, you know what, normally I bury myself in the soil and then I like fabricate things, but I don't have time, so I'm just going to go with plan B and throw some seed, right? There's no plan B. The only way to see things grow is to plant the seed. The only way to see new life birthed in a community is the seed of the gospel message, There's no generating responses. There's no manipulating responses. There's no hitting the right chord. There's no saying the right words. There's no seven tricks for church growth. The only way, this is God's master plan for starting a movement that will take over the world. Throw the seed. How does it work? No idea. But does it work? Every time. The kingdom is growing even when we don't get it. And so friends, If the secret is in the seed, then we should be scattering the seed, should we not? We always think about scattering the seed in terms of those who don't believe yet, right? Which is great, right? We want to be sharing the gospel. We want people who don't know God yet, who don't know that simple message. We want them to hear it so that they could have faith and be birthed into the family. Yes, we want to share the gospel out there. But if this seed really is this powerful, if this seed really does produce this level of fruit, then we should be scattering seed all over the soil of our relationships. How different would your marriage be if you were regularly reminding one another and reciting the simple gospel message? I'm about to celebrate 10 years of marriage. Let's go, right? And imagine, imagine if we're sitting at breakfast and I'm like, hey babe, did you know that God loved you so much that he sent Jesus on a rescue mission so that even though you didn't deserve it, you could be brought into the family and be treated as a daughter of God? Well, thanks, babe. After 10 years, you're finally telling me. No, right? It's like, yeah, well, they already know that. Why would you say that? Because we need it. Because we need to regularly be reminded of this simple message because every time this simple message is planted, it births faith. It changes the landscape. How much of a better friend would we be if we just reminded and recited and all over our friendship, just just start scattering seed all over your friendships? What would be birthed in the soil of your friendships? What about your children? When was the last time you sat down at the table with your children and you just threw seed all over their face, right? Not literally, though that would be a great object lesson, right? Go home today and go, kids, cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. And they go, what was that for? Well, I just wanted to remind you that God so loved the world that even though we were created to be with him, that even though we were created to love God and know God, we rejected him, and yet he comes after us anyway and brings us back into relationship with him. There's the gospel in four parts, coming to a YouTube channel near you, okay? (laughs) Recite it. Plant the gospel in the soil of your friendships, of your marriage, of your family, and watch what happens. I'm not exactly sure how it works, but it works. When we scatter the seed, things grow, rest assured. And so we're not the cause of this growth, but we certainly respond to it, don't we? And so this man, he's scattering the seed, he wakes up and he's like, whoa, it worked. But notice what he does. When the grain is ripe, he doesn't simply sit back and admire it. Wow, look at all that growth. 
He doesn't simply gawk in awe to go, I wonder how that happened. Well, my job is done. No, no, no. He, pit, he puts in the sickle. I worked so hard to try to find a sickle this week. And go figure, nobody has a sickle. Like, Come on, guys, on the eastern shore. He sees the harvest and he takes out his sickle because he knows that the resulting growth must not be neglected or ignored. There's work to be done. He must tend to the growth because the harvest has come. Friends, the harvest demands a response. You see, the seeds of the gospel have produced a harvest all throughout this community. The gospel is preached. The gospel is shared in community groups. The gospel is shared at coffee. The gospel is shared at connect groups. And all over this room, we see little sprouts. Faith. Belief. New hearts. Regeneration. And as we see the harvest, far be it from us to sit back and go, wow, it's working. No, we take out our sickles and we go, it's working I've had multiple people, friends, multiple, I'm not exaggerating, multiple people over the last several weeks, I meet with them just like in those conversations. They go, man, I believe. I want to get baptized. I, I want to learn. But do you think there could like be somebody who could mentor me? Friends, literally, so many of these conversations. I go, what do you mean? Well, like, I'm trying to read the Bible, but like, I don't get it. Like, I, I don't even know how to read it. I don't even know where to start. My husband, he's an electrician. Like, he had like, a, like a, an apprenticeship. I feel like I need that, but for like Jesus following. And every follower of Jesus in this room is like, oh, that was God's plan the whole time. Friends, the harvest is plentiful, the harvest is not lacking. So, calling all followers of Jesus, pick up your sickle. The harvest demands a response. There are people who faith is being birthed. They are growing. They believe, but they need someone to come alongside of them and tend to that growth. If you were to look up right now, you'd see little, little roots coming through this roof. Because right on the other side of that wall, there's a harvest of children, friends. And faith is being birthed, and they're hearing the gospel, and it's growing, it's working. Go figure, you're planting seeds every week in kids' ministry, and people are, and children are growing and learning. And I'm telling you what, we have more children than we can handle right now. And as we head into the fall, we're just praying, right? What else can we, we're praying to the Lord of the harvest, send laborers. We need teachers. We need people who are willing to sit one and serve one so that they can help tend to these little shoots of grace and faith that are up there, these little shoots of belief, and to cultivate them. Are you willing? Are you willing to meet once a week with someone who's a little bit further behind you in their faith to teach them how to read the Bible? It's that simple. This is not a program. This is not like a big move. It's the kingdom movement. It's God's people carrying God's message and watching what happens and then tending to the harvest. Are you willing, friends? Text me. <laughs> it's that simple. Text me. Email me. Come to the counter. Tell us that you want to be in the game and we will launch this disciple-making disciple movement all over the shore. Calling all harvesters. Pick up your sickle. Pick up your sickle.
like a man scattering seed and reaping a harvest, this kingdom will continue to grow. And so one more parable to drive home the point. Look at the last few verses. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Friends, the kingdom is growing even when we can't imagine it. This kingdom, this movement is working even when we can't imagine it. And he goes, what, what else can I compare it to? Let me switch up the metaphor. He goes, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a mustard seed. One more time, right? All of those pretentious people just, ugh. Mustard seed. I love it. Jesus is like, don't take yourself too seriously. The kingdom is like a mustard seed. It's tiny. It's one of the smallest of all the seeds. You look at this and you hold it up and you're like, that, what could possibly come from this? Nobody looks at this mustard seed and goes, whoa, ho, ho. we're going to do great things with this one. We're going to do some agriculturally impressive, significant works through this mustard seed. Look at this. Nobody looks at that and concludes. It's quite the opposite. You look at a mustard seed and you go, what could possibly come from this? What, I can't even imagine. What, what are you going to do out here in the garden with a mustard seed? And yet, plant it and watch what happens. Plant it and you will come back. And you will look at the resulting growth. You will see how it has become larger than all of the garden plants. And you will look from the tree to the mustard seed. From the tree to the mustard seed. And you will go, this came from that? What? Who could have imagined? In the same way, the kingdom of God, this movement that Jesus is leading, it doesn't seem like much at the beginning. Twelve dudes, on foot, traveling the Middle East. Good luck with that. Right? Like how many people were sitting there going, oh, wow, changing the world, are we, Messiah? Yeah. You keep feeding the masses. Okay, cool. Okay, oh, sure, yeah, you're going you're gonna to see the entire world covered in the glory of God. Sure, okay. And yet this movement will grow. Friends, hear me. I believe this. We believe this. This is facts. This movement will grow and become a massive, globe-encompassing, earth-covering movement. And one day when we stand in eternity and we look at what was birthed, we're going to look at the tree and at the seed, at the kingdom and at the beginning. And we're going to say, so this came from that? Yes. Rest assured, the kingdom is growing. Rest assured, the kingdom is growing you see, friends, if we were to go into heaven right now, okay, and if we were to go into, like, God's locker room, let's look at the whiteboard, his master plan for the world on his whiteboard, and if we were to, like, hit up some angels and say, can you show me the divine playbook, we would see that God's plan is to cover the entire world with what I call that garden society. 
Remember the Garden of Eden? He created mankind to know him, to live with him and for him in the garden. And yet we rejected the garden, right? We, we ruined the garden. We have sin that corrupted it. And yet God's master plan is to bring us back, to create a garden that doesn't just live in the Middle East, but that the entire globe would have that garden society of whole people, an entire population of people who say, you are my God and I am your people. We are your people. And it's coming. It's coming, friends. And we're like, yes, your kingdom come. Sam, that sounds awesome. Let's see the world. Let's see the glory of God cover the earth. Yes, let's go. And Jesus is giving us these parables as a powerful reminder that the kingdom is not coming like a firework. Here we are. So those of us who live in a results now kind of society, an age of instant results, he says, my kingdom is not coming like a firework. It's coming like a mustard seed. It's going to start small. It's going to seem unimpressive. The growth will seem imperceptible at times, but rest assured, this is the plan. Rest assured, this is the design. The kingdom is growing, and we are making steady progress in that direction. And one day, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. As the waters cover the sea, so the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God. And so patience, friend. Faithfulness, friend. Rest assured, the kingdom is growing. See, these parables are so good because not only do we get impatient, not only do we want results now, we also get discouraged, don't we? You watch the news lately? Yeah, you laugh, right? We watch the news, we see the trends of culture, we see the condition of our world, and we find it hard to imagine that the kingdom can really take much more ground. We look around and we go, man, it's probably all downhill from here. This world is too hostile for the kingdom. This world, they're too antagonistic to the gospel. Maybe like a hundred years ago that seed worked, but I don't know, man. It just, I don't think, have you seen the school system lately? Have you seen what they're showing in those movies lately? I don't, I just don't think this is going to work. Man, too bad we're not in the good old days of the gospel. And friends, Jesus is saying, have you forgotten what this is like? That though the growth is imperceptible, that though there are times where you find it hard to imagine, the kingdom is growing even when you can't imagine it. Even when you don't get it. And does the gospel really stand a chance in my community? Does the gospel really stand a chance in my family? Does the gospel really stand a chance in this coming generation? And we know slow and steady wins the race, but Jesus is saying slow and steady comes the kingdom. Slow and steady comes the kingdom. And when things seem slow going, when the gospel work doesn't seem to be advancing fast enough in your family's life, in your community, in your marriage, when small works and slow plotting feel painfully dull, remember, like the mustard seed, the kingdom is growing even when we can't imagine it. When we crave 
the fast-working fireworks, may we continue in faithfulness. Rest assured, the kingdom is growing. Rest assured, we already know what the tree is going to look like. Rest assured, we already know the ending where in Revelation chapter 21, we see a tree and the tree encompasses the entire globe and its leaves are healing. We know it works. And so here's how I want you to respond. I'm going to give us a little assignment, okay? As you go back into the school year, as you go back to your normal rhythms at work, as youth soccer picks up and you have all the normal things of life, I want you to be on the lookout. That's your assignment. I want you to be on the lookout. I want you to be looking for evidence of where the kingdom is expanding. I want you to be diligently and alertly looking for evidence of, oh, there it is. Oh, the kingdom is working. Oh, look, that person's heart is softer. My child is more responsive. That person's understanding is greater. That person has faith. That person who was far from God has moved forward a couple steps, and now they're just slightly far from God. In a couple of weeks, when we celebrate baptisms right here, there's an easy one for you. That's a softball. Does anybody see the kingdom? They believe. I want you to be on the lookout. And as you do that, number one, you're going to have more hope. You're that much less likely to become a watch and see Christian. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. I'm hopeful, but I don't know. We'll see. When you start looking for it everywhere, you're going to go, wow, you have hope. And not only do you have hope, but you will be fueled and inspired to take out your sickle. And you'll be motivated to perpetuate this movement and to pray fervently for the advancement of the kingdom and to get down in the soil and get the dirt under your fingernails as you're tending to the harvest. The harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Get in the game. So be on the lookout. Where do you see evidence of this movement spreading? Share it with your family. Share it on your Facebook Share it on your Instagram, share it in your community group, email us, tech, let's just do it. Let's be a community that sees the kingdom growing so that when we see the growth, we can rest assured the kingdom is growing. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for the simple message of the gospel that though we were far from you, you came near to us in grace and mercy and you call us children of God. What in the world, God? And yet we dare to believe it. We have faith in you, Lord. We put our trust in you. And I pray that that would be the story here on the Eastern Shore through the community of people known as East Point. Continue to save. Continue to birth faith all throughout this room and all throughout the shore. For your glory, Lord. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. 
Have a great week.